0: Well, God bless you, friends, and good morning. I want to add my uh, welcome to you from, uh, to be at sunrise today, and I don't want to miss giving the kids up through grade five the chance to go to kids in worship. So uh, kids, grade up to grade five, your leaders will be in the back. They'll take you on out, and we've got some good stuff planned for you this morning. Friends, today the the scripture I want to share uh, with you, I want us to uh, dive into together is found in uh, the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses four through nine. And so uh, I invite you to uh, look that up with me. Um, There are Bibles in the back if you need one, or if you've got a friend close by with one, or even on your Bible app, that's what we usually do. But Philippians four, verses four through nine, and I'll be reading from the NIV version this morning. Starting at verse 4, this is the word of the Lord, and this is what it says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, this morning we thank you uh, for the gift of your word um, in this new year, on this new day, on this Lord's Day. And God, we pray that it will find uh, fertile soil in our hearts. God, we pray the same thing for uh, churches everywhere, God, as your children meet uh, to fellowship and worship and learn from you. Uh, We think especially of our sister church of Mago and pray that you'll bless Pastor Russ, Lord, and the believers who have gathered and that uh, uh, your good work will be done there as well. Uh, Lord, bless this time. With your presence, we know that you're here. God, you've already made us more aware of that. And so make us even more aware, God, as we dive into the word together. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I want to ask you this morning what it is that you wish for in this new year. Uh, Martine kind of alluded to that a little bit already, but what is it that you wish for in this new year in 2019? Maybe your wish is for world peace or something that big, but I'll be honest with you. My goals are not that lofty, okay? I don't think in those big of terms when I'm thinking about my new year. You know, a lot of people make, at the new year, they kind of go beyond just wishing and they make a new year's resolution, a, a, a determination to do something different, And I want to show you right now the biggest killer, I believe, in Tulare of New Year's resolutions. There's a picture of it right here. That's the biggest killer of New Year's resolutions right there. Why? that's probably not fair, is it? I don't think evolutions kills people's resolutions, but uh, let's just say this. Resolutions go there to die, okay? And I promise you right now that if you went to evolutions or take your pick of any club, I don't care, it'll be busy for about the rest of this month. And then all those people who dropped their money and bought that membership, they're going to just drop off, and they'll be back to need more people in there again. But that's just how it goes, isn't it? You know, two years ago, uh, so what would have been the start of 2017, I made a New Year's resolution, and Christy did as well. We made a resolution with our church family to read through the Bible in two years, and we did it. We crossed the finish line. And so this year I have made that resolution again um, in challenge uh, with my church family to, to do that again. And so already I'm, I'm trying to get a start on that. But, you know, if, if there's something besides that, I guess, that I really feel like I need in my life in the year 2019, it is peace. I need the peace of God. And when I say peace this morning, I'm not really talking necessarily about the absence of armed conflict, you know, the absence of war. I mean, that's, that's a great kind of peace. And, and really, I don't know um, if my generation was the first, but I was born in 1968, I've never fought in a war. Uh, my dad uh, served during Vietnam, uh, my grandpa fought, I assume my my gran- grandparents might have, I don't know, but uh, my generation is very blessed to have lived in, a, in an era and a time of peace in this world. But uh, that's not the kind of peace that I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about an, an inner peace, a peace of the heart. Uh, the kind of, that's the kind of peace I'm looking for this year. And if I'm looking for that, I suspect that there are some of you here this morning who also are looking, could use some inner peace um, as well in the year 2019. Now I was trying to think about my sunrise family and who it is here who's known me the longest. Because I'm going to tell you a story about my life from a long time ago. And the 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 besides my wife, Christy, the person here who I think has known me the longest is probably Bill Thompson. Because Bill and I used to work together back in the mid-80s um, when I was in high school and Bill was out of high school. Um, but he was not that far out of high school. And I've already talked to Bill this morning, and, uh, and, and I, I complimented him. I said, brother, we age well, you and me. Like, I put it on both of us. And he agreed with me, so, you know, he's good with that. But uh, I'm, I want to go way back, Bill, prior to when you knew me. And uh, before that, like back in the 70s, I was, I was a, a very small kid for my age, always was. I was a wimpy kind of kid, okay? And I, uh, when I was about three years old or so, my family went to Disneyland. And I I specifically remember our, both sets of the grandparents went too. So it was my parents and me, both sets of grandparents. And I think my sister didn't go. She must have just been barely born and probably stayed with an aunt or something. And so we went to Disneyland and my grandpa's uh, took me on the Matterhorn, and I, I, I think you could do that when you're about three. I guess I was tall enough. Maybe it was another, you know how time kind of distorts your memories. But anyway, that's what it feels like to me. It was the Matterhorn. And so my grandpas took me on the thing. And so we got in the car, and I, everything was all cool and good until that roller coaster started. And once it started, I was in a panic because I did not like the, the speed and the motion of it. And so I begged them to make it stop. Stop, stop, make it stop. Well, of course, you guys know you can't stop a roller coaster once it starts, can you? You got to go. You got to finish the ride. And I don't know, the Matterhorn probably lasts, what, 90 seconds, maybe two minutes of that. But to me, it felt like an eternity. And all I did was scream the whole time on that roller coaster as a three-year-old. And so I don't know if I was born with kind of a propensity to not liking that, or maybe that's kind of what scarred me as a child. But, man, it scarred me. And ever since then, I, I have not been able to stand the motion of a roller coaster, even of an airplane. I just don't, I just don't like it. Um, Sometimes I'll tough it up if I want to, like, look good in front of people. But, man, really, it's, it's killing me. I don't like it. I can't stand it. You know, I don't like that situation. All going back to that three-year-old experience. And when I thought about it, what I think happened, what I think the issue was, was that I didn't have control over what was going on. I felt like I was shoved in this car, and once it started, it couldn't stop, even though I wanted it to stop. And I just, I really, I didn't like that. I couldn't stand... Um, I couldn't stand being out of control. It just, it was, it was awful. It was scary to me. And um, it's true for roller coasters. It's true for airplanes. I just don't like them because I, I don't like to feel like I can't control what's going on. Um, the company I work for, Warner Press, I've worked for them for about four and a half years now. And when I agreed, they're located, headquartered in Indiana. When I agreed to work for them... Um, I said, I'll do it, they let me work remotely from home, I said, I'll do it, but when I need to come back to corporate, I don't want to fly, and so guess what, you guys, about every other year when I go, you will see me on a train, taking them, and I'm serious too, I can give you the details, train travel's fun, it's a beautiful way to see the country, but guys, I just don't like to fly, because I don't like to be out of control, and yeah, I know that on a train, you're not really in control either, but uh, you kind of get my point, don't you? The point is that, that there are some things that we, we just like to have them in our control. We don't like it to be out of our grip. And usually those things can be different for different people. I'm sure there are some different things for you than there are for me. Now, I want to fast forward today from my boycott of, uh, of roller coasters and of, of flying. Uh, and by the way, I haven't flown since 2011, so it's been eight years now, almost exactly eight years. Fast forward to the year 2019, and here I am today. Let me show you another picture. Um, this, is my, uh, this is our two uh, youngsters who cause us all the gray hairs that we have, uh, me more than Christy. But uh, my children, bless their hearts. And um, uh, I appreciate the way that you as a church family um, love and encourage them when they're here and when they're not. Um, Carly is back at school again. She's in her third year of college back in Texas. And Cameron, um, uh, that's a picture of him actually at his job. He works full-time at a church, a large church called The Rock down in San Bernardino and he's on their media team. They have five or six uh, staffers who just do the projection stuff and so that's his primary responsibility on a Sunday. So that's him down there um, in his element. Now, uh, like I said, this is Carly's thir- third year at college and so he was already, already kind of used to her going away from home. But Cameron did his school, he did his first couple years in junior college, so he was home and then after that he did Fresno State and so he was close. And for a lot of his Fresno State years, he just lived at home with us, and he just commuted there, so he was always around. He was always close by. But now he's gone. Man, the house is just—it's just starkly, it's just starkly empty, and it's so hard for us to get used to. Both of us, honestly, it hurts. And, and I think—I think that really. As our kids grew, they became, they're still our kids, but as they grew into adults, it's like they became our best friends, too, as well as our children. And we enjoyed, you know, doing things with them. And now when they're gone, they're out of the picture, that's tough for us. We kind of don't know what to do with ourselves because suddenly they're just not around anymore. Christy and I actually, a couple of months ago, we bought the board game Scrabble so we'd have something to do, okay? And we've been playing. We've been kind of off for the holidays, but we play Scrabble now. We've got to have something to do to fill our time because our buddies aren't around. They're not in the house anymore. But this morning, I want to let you in on a little parenting trick, and I'm probably not telling most of you anything that you don't already know, but uh, I'm curious, how many of you have, how many of you have iPhones, an iPhone, I mean the real deal iPhone? Do you guys know that there's an app on the iPhone? I think it just comes with the iPhone. It's called Find iPhone. If you're not aware of that, I encourage you, not now in church, but when you go home today, get your iPhone out and find the app, go on the, you know, find it on the phone or go in the app store and get it because what find iphone allows you to do is anybody else in your family or like who's on your phone plan if they're signed in you can pull a map up and you can see right where they're at down to the house right down to it and man I, I'll be honest with you guys when Carly first went to Texas that was the biggest comfort to me because that's my girl that's my baby girl and she's she's 1500 miles away from home and I want to know what she's doing you know in the evenings and the weekends and that she's safe and so Quite often, the last thing I'd do before I went to bed and a bunch of other times throughout the day is I'd get my phone and go on Find iPhone. I could see that she was in her dorm or that she was working at the restaurant or at the movies with her friends. I knew right where she was at. That was a big comfort to me. Although about a year and a half ago, she told me, Dad, I'm turning it off Find iPhone, and she did. And so now I'm out. Cameron never would let me turn it on his, so um, <laughs> I'm kind of out of the loop now. But um, I'll confess something to you guys this morning. Um, I still have access to their emails and their bank accounts, I do, and Christy does too. Now before you think I'm like totally weird and, and why I do that, there's a reason, there are, there are valid reasons because for Carly's school she frequently gets emails about financial aid and classes and housing and stuff that we need to help with and when Cameron was looking for a job, I was kind of his job search agent and so I needed to see his emails and help him know when to respond. And as far as finances, it lets us get money to Carly easy and sometimes to Cameron if he needs it. So there are valid reasons why I have that access. But uh, the access is good, but honestly, sometimes it's like I don't want to know too much, you know, because then it might make me just worried. Because, again, the stuff they do is increasingly out of my control as they've, as they've grown up. And so sometimes we can know too much. And, and I, I'm faced with reality this year in 2019 that there are some things that I just can't control, And and there are some things probably I shouldn't control or I shouldn't even try to control. But the point is that in my life, this lack of control, specifically where it had to do with those kids whom I love uh, with all my heart, it was was leading to great uh, anxiety in my life and just a real lack of peace, an extreme lack of peace in me. When I was in college, I, I had a friend. He was actually one of our pastors. He was the youth pastor at our church, and his name was Steve Phelps. And I remember Steve preaching one time, and he shared about... Um, uh, he had four kids, and the youngest, I think, was just about three or four, but he shared about after their youngest son was born, um, and this would have been, I think, in the, in the mid-80s sometime, and when it was right about the time when uh, they started, uh, doctors started talking about that condition called SIDS. Do you guys remember that? Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. It was a very sad thing, and like a baby would just die in its sleep, and they didn't know why. And they, they theorized that it had to do if it well, was it sleeping on its back or side or, or tummy or how was the baby in there? You know, they didn't really know. They couldn't tell. And so Steve had this little baby at home, and uh, now everybody's talking about SIDS, and Steve became obsessed with it. And he told us that he got so obsessed with it that he, he literally could not sleep at night. Every night when he would lay down to bed, all he would do is lay there awake and listen to make sure his son was breathing in the other room. And he did it night after night after night. He just could not sleep until finally it was killing him. The lack of rest was driving him nuts. And he finally knew that he just had to give it over to the Lord just to put it in God's hands because it was out of his control and there was nothing he himself could do about it. Now, I appreciated the story at the time, but I, even though I didn't have kids. But man, now that I have two kids, even though they're older, I really understand uh, the, the feeling of, of, of anxiety and, and just wanting to be in control of what's going on with them, but not always being able to do it. Again, I'll confess to you this morning, friends, that with my kids, with Cameron and Carly, I was literally checking their emails and their bank accounts dozens of times a day, dozens of times a day. I was looking to see, um, you know, like I said, I didn't have the find iPhone anymore, but I was looking to see, you know, who are they communicating with? What, you know, where's the money being spent? What's coming in? What's going out? I was checking it all the time. And even when I typed out these sermon notes, I was tempted, guys. I was sitting right there at the computer. It would have been so easy just to look, but I didn't, okay, didn't. But uh, I had this constant knot in my stomach all the time. Um, I just, I had a lack of concentration. I could not focus on anything. Um, I would just sit there on the couch in the evening. I would just mindlessly channel surf. I had this kind of, this two-handed thing down where with the right hand, I was just channel surfing with the clicker. And with the left, I was checking their email and their bank account, you know, on the cell phone. I, I was obsessed. I couldn't, I wanted to know and I felt like I couldn't know. And it just had me, it had me just totally worked up. And I prayed about it constantly, and I, I kept telling God, I want to give it to you, Lord. But it's like I was telling him I was give it to him. I was, like, handing it, but, like, I still had a death grip, and God was trying to get it out of my hand, and I wouldn't let go. I, I felt like I couldn't let go, and it was just eating me up, and I, I, I couldn't rest, and I couldn't focus. It, it was making me, It was making me a mess. And so, like, my friend, like, my pastor, Steve, I knew I had to do something because I knew it was going to kill me. I knew I couldn't go on like this. And Philippians 4, in this passage that we shared today, is where I found the answer from the Lord. In this passage, Paul gives, I think, some great advice for any of us about leaving things in God's hands. Just leaving it, leaving it in the Lord's hands and not uh, giving up our control, giving up our desire to have to know everything. And I think these, these few short verses, they, they tell us how to do that, how to give it to the Lord. They tell us why we should do that. And they tell us the results, the, the many good things that happen when we do that. I mean, look at this passage. There, there's so much stuff in there. There's so so many good things. Starting with Paul's advice that we rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I think that's a result of putting things in God's hands. I think it's also a way that we put it in His hands is just to choose to rejoice no matter what's going on. When Cameron was job seeking, the, the first good lead he had on a job was in Texas. It was not far from where... Carly is in school, and it pretty much looked like he had the job, and we thought he did, and he thought he did, and he was on his final Skype interview with them. He was on the computer, and I was out in the hallway with the door closed kind of praying for him, and I distinctly felt like God told me in my spirit, "Um, I've got this. You know, I've got him. I've got this. It's going to be good, and so when the meeting was done, Cameron came out of the door. He said, they offered me the job. I got it, and so there was great rejoicing in our house. We're very happy, and then within about five or six days, the opportunity fell through, and it was gone. And we had felt so good and so right about it. And so then I found myself questioning well, did I misunderstand? No, God, I distinctly felt His impression in my heart that it was going to be okay and that He had it. So why, why is the opportunity gone? What's going on here, Lord? But I had a choice to make whether I would still rejoice in Him when it looked like the job wasn't there, or whether my rejoicing was just based off when circumstances were good. So I had to make the choice to rejoice. And that's what I did. It was not easy. But I had to make that choice. And as it turns out, he ended up in a place better, I think, much better than where he was going. But again, God did know what he was doing. But it was up to me to rejoice and to trust him. That's a part of letting go is to rejoice in any situation. Yes, rejoice when the kids are at home, but rejoice when the kids are not home either and when I'm not quite sure what they're up to. Paul went on, he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Your gentleness, the, the way that you live, the way that you are with people. And, you know, I, I really think that people who trust God are gentle people. I think that's, that's a strong evidence of the fact that you have trust in God if you are gentle in the way that you live. Um, people who don't trust God, they're, they're uptight. They're anxious, like, like I was. They're wound up tighter than the spring in an old-fashioned clock, just ready to bust at, at the slightest turn or the slightest tweak. And so gentleness is a, is a great sign. It's a great indication, if it's absent, that maybe... Maybe we're not putting it in the Lord's hands. Maybe we're trying to control things that we can't control. And then Paul went on and he said that um, he said that the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And why did he say that? What, how does that help? How does that help us to leave things in his hands? Well, the, the Lord is near. I, I don't know. I put in for the, the word near here. If the Lord is near, that means he's with us, okay? The Lord is near. The Lord is here. And if the Lord is here with me... The Lord is also in San Bernardino with my son. He's there with him. And if he's there with him, he's also with my daughter, Carly, out in Texas. Um, Because God is near, he's there, he's everywhere. He's in in San Bernardino, he's in Texas, he's in in Guatemala, he's in in Germany, he's in Costa Rica. Wherever your loved ones are, the, the ones that mean the most to you and you're concerned about them, God is near to us and he's near to them as well. And, and when we understand that, it helps us greatly to, to, to relax, to trust, to know that we can leave things in the Lord's hands because the Lord is near. And then Paul gave us a direct remedy for the anxiety that we feel sometimes, and that is prayer, that we just pray about it in every situation, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you can control it, whether you can't control it, just pray about it. Take it to him with thanksgiving. Thank God that he's near. Thank God for what he's doing, even if you can't yet see it. And then what happens when we do these things, when we rejoice in all things, when we are a people of gentleness, because we're trusting Him, when we realize that God is near to me and you and, and our loved ones, wherever they're at, when we pray about everything with thanksgiving in our hearts, then it is that the peace of God, Paul said, will guard your heart and your mind. And he said that it's beyond comprehension, it's beyond understanding. Guys, we, I can't explain it to you this morning exactly how that works, and, and nobody can really. I mean, Paul understood that. He understood that we can't understand it exactly. How can you be, have something in your life that you're concerned about and you can't control it even though you want to, but yet you know peace? That's the peace that surpasses understanding. That's the peace of Christ that we can have when we leave things in the Lord's hands. It's an incredible, wonderful peace, and that's, that's what I'm seeking this year. That's, that's what I need. That's what I need more and more of. And then Paul went on, he, he went on to describe a new mindset that we should adopt. In other words, a new way of thinking about all of this to kind of help make this piece of Christ a reality in our lives. He said to think on things, and he gave a long list. He said, think on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Those are all wonderful words, positive words, and I don't think we have to really elaborate and say, well, you know, what, what's the difference between something being true and right or noble and praiseworthy? That's not the point. I think Paul's point here was, you know what, guys? Think about the good stuff. Think about the good stuff. Fill your mind with the good things that God is doing. That's where you need to, to focus your thoughts. And see, guys, with respect to my kids in this last year, I was dwelling on the negatives, um, the, the, the what-ifs in their lives. I, matter of fact, I was doing more than dwelling on. I like I built a house in the negatives, okay, and I was living there. Like like that's that's where I lived my life. I was always thinking on the what if stuff. That that's all that's all I thought about. God, what if Cameron doesn't have money to make the rent? What if Carly can't pay for her classes? What if. Uh, you know, what if things don't work out at Cameron's job? What if, uh, what if Carly doesn't make good enough grades to, to keep her admission in the school? What if, what if? It was just racing through my mind. What if one of them has car trouble? And Carly did have car trouble one time, pretty severe, but uh, she, had, she had to deal with it. Um, what, what if they're not making the choices that we, would, that we taught them to make, that we would have them to make? All this stuff is going through my mind. That's all I was thinking all the time. But by doing that, I was missing all the positive. There were so many good things. There are so many good things that God is doing um, in all of this situation, all of this. So much good, Uh, very positive, very encouraging. Both of them are learning independence. They're learning how to be men and women who know how to navigate life and deal with things and make decisions on their own. They're learning that. Um, They're learning how finances work. Um, Matter of fact, Cameron, when he got his first paycheck from the church, he called me and he was like in shock. He's like, Dad, do you realize how much tax they take out of a paycheck? And I said, yes, son, I do. You know, there are some life lessons that you just can't, you know, life's just going to teach it. Man, he learned it. He's got a new appreciation now for, for the money that he works for and where that money goes. Um, so many good things that God is doing in, in them. but Perhaps the best one being that they are now learning to serve the Lord on their own, not because dad and mom come in and wake them up at 8 o'clock on Sunday and say, hey, get up, it's time to go, time to get ready. They're doing it because they want to. They're doing it because that's what their heart is. And that would never happen, guys, if I kept it all in my control. And so God is doing so many positive things, and these are the things that I need to be thinking about so that I can find the peace of God. Then Paul wrapped it up. He said, he said, you've seen me do all this. He was kind of using himself as an example. Guys, you've seen me rejoice in the Lord and, and be a gentle person and to pray about everything and to, to know that the Lord is near and to, uh, to think on the positive. You've seen me do it. Now you do it. You can do it too. What a great encouragement. And again, that's great advice for each one of us to look around us and find people in life who have that peace. And guys, you can spot them. Remember the whole gentleness thing? You, some, there's just a sense about somebody who's got a peace from the Lord. And I promise you this morning that no matter where you sit in this room, you could reach out probably just in about any direction and touch somebody. You'd find somebody who's got that peace. And so if you don't know it, I would encourage you to, to maybe identify somebody and ask them about it. How, did, how do you get that? How, how has that come true for you? And they'll be, they'll be glad to share with you. They'll be glad to encourage you and to help you. See, there are so many things in my life that I can't control. My my kids being kind of the primary focus recently and many other areas. But guys, one thing that I can control is where my mind dwells. And you can control that too. Where you think, where you let your thoughts live. We can all control that. God has put that in our hands. That's our decision. And so the Lord was saying to me, don't be anxious about anything, Kevin. And so... Um, I just want to wrap up today. I kind of asked myself, uh, well, how do I know if I'm being anxious? How do we know if, if anxiety has is, is got a place in us that it shouldn't, if it's taken control in us? How do we keep from going there, from living in the negatives like I was doing? And let me just give you a, a few pointers. I think some things that might be helpful, and they, they work for me. I think we'll put these on the screens. There's, there's the first one. First of all, take a look at your gentleness level. Um, uh, you're a pretty good assessment of that, but other people, if, if, you, if you're wondering if you're being a gentle person, ask somebody who's close to you, hey, how, how's my attitude? How am I doing? They'll tell you. Um, if you ask openly and honestly and, and say, you know, speak the truth, they will. Take a look at your gentleness level. If you're not gentle, if, you're, if you find that you're easily angry or if, if you're always uptight or uh, if you're always anxious or if you're always nervous, if you're always restless, I think these things can be signs that you're not letting God have control of something. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's your kids or something else. But if if your gentleness is not there, maybe there's something that right now you're not giving it to the Lord. It's not in His hand You're trying to keep control. And so that's something that I think is good for us to look at. Second thing is this one. is just to be honest with God about where you're at. Just be honest with Him. Let, it, let Him know. Share your heart with Him. Spot, spot on right where you're at. You don't need to hide it from Him. It's not like he doesn't know. It's not like he can't handle what it is that you have to share with him. Those things that scare you, those things that you want to control and you can't control, just be straight with them. Just tell him. That's a part of honest prayer and and living life um, um, in, in the company of the Holy Spirit, filled by this prayer. Just be honest with God about where you're at. Let him know. Just tell him. And then the final tip is just this. That is, whatever it is that you're struggling with, with control, Give it up to God a day at a time. Just give it to Him a day at a time. God puts the cycle of days in our lives on purpose because just like a year is a cycle and we make resolutions. every morning when you get up is a good time to give it to him again. Get whatever it is that's, that that you 're trying to control and it 's making you anxious. Give it to God a day at a time. If you have to, give it to him a minute at a time. Give it to him a bunch of times a day if you 're like me you don 't want to let go. Just give it to him again and tell him again. Uh, just meet him right where you're at. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're not yet willing to give it to him, but maybe you're, um, maybe you're willing to be made willing. Maybe that's the only point you're at. You're, not, you're ready for him to change your heart, but your heart's not changed yet. That's okay. Start right where you're at. Just tell him. Uh, give it to God a day at a time. Give it to him more often than that if you need to um, as often as you need to. And so, friends, this morning, I would give you this word of uh, encouragement for for the new year, um, our new year together as as the family of God, and that is just that the Lord is near. I encourage you, don't be anxious about anything, but whatever it is that troubles you, whatever it is that you can't control as much as you want to, I would challenge you in 2019 to leave it in God's hands, to pray about it, to be gentle, to rejoice, uh, and to find the peace of God, to seek and to find the peace of God that is beyond understanding, and that only He can give you. God bless you, and would you stand this morning? Lord, we have much to be thankful about in this new year, in this new season of life, and Father, this morning we choose to rejoice. Uh, We choose it. Um, That is our decision, that we will rejoice, even in those areas where there are things that we can't control as much as we might want to. Lord, we pray also today that you will send people into our lives who will model for us how to leave our cares in your hands. God, your word encourages us that we can do it. And that if we do that, that you will guard our hearts and minds with a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, that is the peace we seek today. We want it uh, not just for this day, but for this year, Lord. And we want it to be a pattern the way that we live. Lord, not anxious about anything uh, but people of gentleness and your peace. Won't you grant us that peace as we give you those things we can't control? We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Friends, this morning as we uh, close in a time uh, of singing and worship, uh, I just want to encourage you that you can pray about anything during this time. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if you have not trusted Jesus Christ for eternal life yet, uh, hey, this is your year. Why put it off anymore? Do that today. I'd encourage you. Don't, don't delay. There's no reason to put that off. Maybe there's an area in your life that uh, you've struggled with like I did and, and um, you keep trying to keep control but you can't control it and it's eating you up inside. Maybe you need to give that to the Lord and start the year that way. That's something that you can pray about this morning. Maybe there's a person in your life who's, who's hurting or a situation it's a real burden that you carry and you want to pray about that. You can do that as well. Maybe you just want to give God thanks and praise and prayer for all he's done, for all that he's doing in your family. Any of these things, it doesn't matter. You can pray right there in your seat or you can go on the back to my left over here and uh, some of the elders will be there and they will, uh, they'll pray with you and lift your heart and lift your need to the Lord. But whether it's there in your seat, whether it's in the back, wherever, if the Spirit's speaking to you this morning, don't, uh, don't push him off, don't delay the opportunity and let God continue to do his work in your life. And May God bless you this morning as we sing together.